Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to the Mavericks podcast, or welcome back if you've joined me before. Thank you very much for joining me. Today's chat is with Chris Roberts and Rob Evans of the With Love Project. Chris is a graphic designer and Rob is a photographer, and although they both have day jobs in those areas and are indeed completely brilliant at what they do, the thing that really interests me about them is that they have travelled the length and breadth of Britain as a hobby, as a passion project, creating two books, armed with very little other than a bunch of cameras, their imagination, a Volkswagen van, a tent and all their camping equipment. They've created two really, really fantastic books actually. The Backbone of Britain, which is about makers that are still creating things in, I suppose, working on heritage crafts in contemporary Britain. And the second, For the Love of Food, which is about those people who are tirelessly and passionately creating food in small batches and small ways all across Britain. Rob and Chris have done these projects as their hobby and they've funded them through crowdfunding, but they are really beautiful things and they deserve a much wider audience than they've already achieved. In many ways, I think Chris and Rob have become the the godfathers of the contemporary notion of a side project, which has to some extent been taken and made more of by other people, but they've done it really well. And I don't think you can underestimate the value of a hobby in your life. It's such an enriching thing, but this, this goes beyond a hobby. It involves them traipsing around Britain often huge distances to create just a photograph and a few words but it's really really good anyway they came to our home at Glendie in the highlands in right at the end of may in fact to make a film for the good life experience and we had an amazing couple of days of swimming in the river endless campfires a bit of axe throwing indeed some tree climbing i discovered i can still actually climb quite high up trees and lots of other good things And on the second morning that they were here, we sat down around the campfire and had breakfast. I didn't do any notes for this because I thought the campfire somehow just might allow us to have an interesting discursive chat. And I think it really did. So without any further ado, here is me talking to Chris Roberts and Rob Evans. This is our first ever one done by a campfire. I've done one by a fire before. But I, th- I think the best place probably to start is with kind of relatively the present. So yep. what, what, what's really um, what I first came, became aware of you guys for was with your With Love project. And um, this beautiful book, which I'm holding, is the most recent bit of that. So, so just starting with, with Chris, talk me through how you came to the idea of doing books. I mean, this is your second book. Yeah, well, we kind of... <coughs> We definitely stumbled across the idea of, of doing books. We never started out with the idea of doing books. We'd, we'd set out with the idea of, of just doing a little marketing piece, as right. a, a little booklet to send out to people. So my background's in brand branding okay. and, and art direction, and uh, Rob's is photography. So the project started out as a as that as a small little side project. Well, so as a, as a kind of calling card for your professional work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the idea was that we'd go and visit five fashion producers uh, who were making things in the UK and then celebrate their story in, in just in a little booklet. So I'd, I'd design it, I'd lay it out, write some stories and Rob would photograph it. Yeah, are you also a copywriter? 
I wouldn't call myself a copywriter, but I write copy. No, but you write very well. You write. Re I mean, I do think that's one of the notable things about the book is that it's very well written. Sorry, I'm just. We're really getting a lot of smoke this fire. Um, okay, so. And, and was the idea, Rob, that that was a, a sort of calling card? Yeah, it was. Uh, so well, at the time when I met Chris, who was working as a creative director um, at a branding agency, and um, we'd done a few, he commissioned me on a few on a few jobs, and he decided that um, it was time to move on from the agency. He wanted to go out and set up his own business, so he got in touch with me because he liked my work and we worked well together with the idea of just doing a little personal project so as Chris said going to meet five people something that we could sh kind of showcase our combined yeah. skills yeah I mean no intention of starting a business or a partnership or but you know, idea, anything like that the idea was so so you t you work together now a lot yeah but the but this was just kind of like because you liked each other and you had complementary skills and you just thought you'd do the well it came down to I was reading a book called the fortune cookie principle by I think it's Bernadette Jiwa and she's talking about storytelling and marketing. And there's Hyatt Denham in there. So it was a good few years ago, 2016. Um, so David had obviously already started pushing his story out there. So it, they seemed like the perfect people to go and visit, the first people to go right. and visit. So we dived down there. We got, we got to the open day. Um, <clears throat> and David had sort of, we'd said what we were doing didn't have anything to show him it was just an idea can we come down we want to do you know celebrate stories of, of, of things that are going on in the UK and he was he just invited us yeah come along and was really open to the to the idea so we got we got the the shots we needed we got an interview with him and then because it was the open day we met loads of really interesting people and then as we were driving back because the original idea was it was just fashion British, British fashion right, okay. five people yeah but when we were down there we met um, some potters we met, uh, there was a Devon company that were making belts, there was people um, from Welsh Tourist Board and loads of really interesting people who all had great stories. So then we thought, well, let's not limit ourselves to fashion, let's open it up to anybody who produces things with a passion and a purpose. And that's kind of where the, the project kicked off and also kind of where we, where we forgot what we were doing. <laughs> so were, so were, you, were you both fundamentally interested in in that kind of idea of making but was it you know was was it was that whole all part of it i think that the whole experience is is really enjoyable for us so we both like getting out both like camping we quite like early mornings we like jumping in rivers but then we like meeting people and we like hearing their stories yeah so yeah. like that it's basically combines all the things that we love i think we're both nosy as well you know like <laughs> you know if you if you go into a room full of people then if Rob just went on his own, you could guarantee in a few minutes he'd be talking to someone, finding out what they do. And I'm the same, you know, I'm naturally inquisitive and want to find out what people are doing, how they, how they do and why they do what they do. And that was one of the questions that we asked everybody, why do you do what you do? Because it was <clears throat> a lot of them, you know, say some of the blacksmiths that we, that we met in, in the middle of winter, they're getting up, they go into the blacksmith shed, outside it's freezing cold, inside it's a furnace. They're getting completely caked in dirt and everything. And they're doing 12-hour days, exhausted, sweating, but then walking out and freezing and then going back and doing it all again. Yes, like, what? yeah. No, wait, why? Well, in many ways, that's what, I suppose that's what this, this podcast is about, is actually just trying to find out what motivates people. Yeah. So, 
before you did this, were you both genuinely interested in, in buying things that were made in Britain? I mean, like, you know, David Hyatt's jeans is a very good example. Was that something that motivated you or not really? I think, I mean, we've, we've both always had an interest in, in fashion, certainly in the fields that we work in. Um, I don't think we were quite had the same view on how things were made until we started looking into it. Um, and it's, it's changed the way we shop the project. It has. It, it has, because we go, we go, you know, like, like, we'll buy less stuff, but spend more money on the stuff we buy, and buy stuff that's made well and made proper and can be fixed. And once you've got, I mean, this is a slight sort of side thing, but once you've gone down that road, it's impossible to go back, yeah. I find. It's I mean, I, I, I want to know where, I, I know now where everything that I'm wearing is made. I'm the same, and, yeah. Um, and I, you know, and that just is, that's just, you know, it just gives that product a completely different meaning, I mm. think. The problem, the, the, the only problem that i found with that is um, my mates. So I'll come down and they go, oh, no, nice jeans then. And I go, let me tell you where they're from. And they're like, no, yes. I don't care. I don't care where they're from. I just like them. <laughs> I don't want to know that they're from Wales or but I, I think, don't want to know your shirts from here. I think, things, I think things are changing. I mean, I genuinely, I think I, my personal view is the Japanese and the Americans and the Koreans <clears throat> and probably lots of other countries, certainly the French, have this kind of relationship with the things that they consume, which is inbred. And, and my view is we completely lost that in this country, and we're now getting it back. So, you know, I, I, think, I think the success of Hyatt Denim since Meghan Markle wore it, you know, shows that people are at least prepared to invest in. Well, you just have to look at their, um, the fact that you can send for the whole life of your jeans, you can send them back to Hyatt and they'll fix them for free. Yeah, if you've got nine months to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I just took mine to the dry cleaner and they fix them. I think the, the, the McNair shirts that we've got are, are beautiful. We're, they're, they're, they're quite pricey, but there's, there's something that happens when you try one on that you go from, um, I'm not sure if I could afford that, to how am I going to afford it. Yes. Because you, yes. you put it on and it's just... It's just beautiful. I've got two now, but they, I think I wear them. But you, all I think the it's time. where you, you're buying things that are potentially heritage pieces. I've got a, um, a track bag, which is waxed cotton, and it's about four years old now. It's just looking better and better as it gets mm. older. And I know that in you know, 15 years' time, I'm probably going to give that bag to my daughter, and it's going to look even better by well, then. My life is still surrounded by things that you know my literally my great great grandparents had because they were having you know because we've lived in the same house for a long time they had things made and they just last so maybe that's why i i get that but anyway i mean just spooling back a little bit so what happened was that you you did enough of these trips and and you made a maker's book and then you were like well, how are we going to get this made? How did you go to actually getting the first book published into a... Because it was a beautiful hardback. Yeah, so designed. we got... Initially, the stories were just going on to our blog. We kind of totally forgotten about the idea of, of producing a book, a booklet that we were going to send out, that marketing piece. Um, and we got into about... We got to about 15, 20 stories. And then one day, what, we were just like, well, we've almost got a book here. So all, all it takes is a, is a bit of a push. Let's do a road trip. We'll travel from the Outer Hebrides to Cornwall and we'll meet another 15, 20 people. That gets it up, that gets enough content to do this book. But then how do we produce that? How do we produce that? But we didn't want to go down the line of, 
getting a, um, a publisher involved because we didn't want it, it to be taken away from, from where we wanted it to go. Um, we did two Kickstarters. The first one was a, a complete failure. And we, it's, it shouldn't have been because we went to see we went to see various people we know who'd done successful Kickstarters and everyone told us how much hard work it was yes, going to be. Yes, everyone says the same thing. And how it was like taking on a full-time job. Um, and we just completely disregarded them. We thought we're And so we thought great. it'd be fine. Yeah. It'd be fine. And, and I think we had a really good first day and then it just stopped. Um, we also got to a point where we still had a few visits left to do, didn't we? Yeah. And we were getting quite busy and we were like, we can either plough three weeks into make this a reality or get the rest of the stories so that it's ready to go and then and then go again. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so you so you abandoned the first one. So we yeah, we 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 got about halfway through the time, halfway through the thirty days, and we just thought, let's let's not end it, but we'll just we'll just stop talking about it. Um, and let's rethink this. Let's not give up on Kickstarter, but let's, if we're going to do it, you know, let's do it properly. So we came back to it maybe six months later with a plan, with and a load a of... Campaign as well, wasn't right, campaign, campaign ready to load of, Which is what, you know, what we do in our businesses. Yes. So we should have probably done that from the start. Um, but planned it out, um, got in touch with loads of people that we knew, got a bit of press on it. Um, and I think we funded it in five, six days. The whole project is so organic. So <clears throat> going back a step to what Rob was saying where we planned this road trip, it was, everything has been a bit of a conversation. So we'd gone, we'd gone to see a German tailor living in Macclesfield who used to make suits for Pavarotti. And she said, <laughs> oh, uh, I get my Harris Tweed from, from this chap up in, uh, in Har on Harris called Donald Mackay, who's got an MBA for his services to Harris Tweed, because um, he worked with Nike in the 90s. And then at the same time, Robert um, found somebody in Devon who ha made handbell boats. So we were like, oh, well, we've got someone in the Hebrides and we've got someone in Devon. Let's do the road trip. Yeah. So it's like conversations like that yes. that just kickstart the project. Okay, so the first book was beautiful and then um, I mean, it was also something of a calling card, but I'll, I think I'll come back to that. We should come back to that in a minute because you've obviously started meeting loads of creative people that presumably have led to more paid work. But the second book, um, which was the book on food producers, mm -hmm. was more specific. It was also a bigger, even more beautiful production. And so what, what led you to, to that? And, and I know that, I, I mean, I, I think I'm right in saying that kickstarted a huge sort of passion for food for you. Yeah. So I, I think... It's another conversation. Because we're, <laughs> because we're, um, because we're creative, creatives and not particularly business-minded, I think if we were more business-minded, at the end of the, the first book, we would have said, right, well, we've done really well here. Book's gone down really well. We've met loads of people who we could tap into. Let's, um, let's put a business plan together. Let's push the business forward. Um, but being creative, so we went out for a meal and we were sitting back, we were sat in Barrafina in London, eating this beautiful um, tapas, drinking nice wine. And I was like, oh, I love good food, me. Chris is like, yeah, I do as well. I love good wine. Like, let's do another book. Let's do one on, on food and drink. So we abandoned kind of pushing the business forward and started, started doing trips again. 
and, 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 and that and that obviously then I mean that did very well on Kickstarter the second book I mean you got what you wanted we did yeah. it on so this one oh, we did it on crowdfunder which was a UK one because everything <coughs> everything was based in the UK we found a, a crowdfunder that was that was based in the UK they had links with River Cottage as well um, so it all felt like that was the right thing to do printed in the UK and the food book, as well as championing um, a whole load of re really important British producers, and and I think there's, you know it is it is now um, you know it's, it's we all understand more about provenance than we did say ten years ago. But it, it's hard work, isn't it? That food producing. I mean, did you was that a consistent theme that everyone that you met was working their backsides off? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not a, an easy industry, and especially for these small kind of artisan producers. You know, they, I mean, the same as the, as the craft book, you know, all the people we met, they're proper craft. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, it's, it's weird, because as, as, you know, a, there's a really nice convergence, and the reason that I think we all get on is that we're essentially doing the same thing. I mean, I'm doing it with a good life experience, and you guys are doing it with the book, but there's, there's, there's such a hunger amongst those people to be recognised, I think. Mm. Not, not in a showy way, but isn't there? I mean, I find that, you know, the blacksmiths, the food producers, they're just... They're, and I don't mean this in a patronising way, but they're just so grateful that we're doing mm. the good life because someone is kind of putting them out on the forum and, and you guys are doing the same thing. Well, you notice it with things like um, Lizzie at Just Kidding, Just Kidding and then also James at, at Cabrito. And they, they, um, they supply goat meat. And one of the big things, uh, apart from price with the, the artisanal order, uh, slow food movement is is a knowledge thing so uh, they were saying that a lot of people will go into the butcher and there might be goat there but they don't know what to do with goat so because they don't know what to do they just go to the safety zone and they go I'll have beef or yes. I'll have chicken or yeah. I'll have pork so there's a there's a whole knowledge thing of like okay these are the things that you can do with goat these are you know this is why it's great the, you know the the uh, that that industry the dairy industry so that the They'll produce goat. Uh, they'll, they'll produce cheese, and they'll produce mi milk. But years ago, before James and, and Lizzie and a few other people got involved, there's something like forty-five thousand billies that had been euthanized from from birth because there's no market there. And then just burned or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. just or whatever they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, now there's a market, and that's come about from just slowly building that market and through knowledge. So you know, James and Lizzie would go to farm the farms and say don't kill 50 and I'll take 50 billies and then rear them up and then sell them on. And then it'd be okay, let's take more and more and more. And we spent a bit of time the other week with James and I think he was saying now, there's only about 10,000 mm. that get euthanized each year. So it's a massive jump in. That's what's great about, you know, things like, like the, the, the good life that you're doing is that these people can get in front <coughs> of, the, of, of their punters and they can, they can talk to them and they can tell them what to do with this and and they yes. can they can educate them directly yeah and, and and but with james the goat guy i mean he's obviously had a massive success but but i think it, it is harder for most people than that i mm. mean you know the like i mean i think that the the guys at the great glen charcuterie which is relevant to where we're sitting now because venison is a totally undervalued meat i mean that you know they must have had to work so hard to make a, a, a business out of that I mean, did you find that there was a kind of, there's just an optimism born of passion or, 
or were people generally, do you think, making it work? I'm sure they didn't discuss the businesses, but really making it work. We met a lot of people who'd given up, you know, quite high-flying jobs in London to, to reassess their lives, set up a business that, that works for them rather than the working around. for a business, yeah. yeah. There's, yeah. Also, there's also, it's definitely like an inner belief in everybody that we've met. There's a, a chap called Peter Goff, I think, who's at Sillfield Farm, who does um, wild boar sausages. And he got approached by a major multiple, one of the supermarkets, um, <clears throat> and said, we want X amount of sausages each week. It was a huge amount, taste. a huge amount yeah. of money yeah. for him. Yeah. And he, he worked it out and he was like, yeah, we can, we can, you know, can just about do that. Um, and then they went, oh, by the way, we want a shelf life of nine days. And he was like, well, I can't really do that. And they said, well, there's no deal unless you can have that shelf life. So he went back to his recipe and then he had to add in uh, rusk. He had to add in uh, stabilizers. He had to add in all of these different things which took it completely away from what it was. Right, okay. So he just said, it's no, not, not going to happen. Yeah. No. But, but so you did this beautiful book and that, that, that's been a kind of, you know, that's done and, and, and I mean, you've got presumably copies to sell, but you, you raise the money and, and, and people are really happy with it. So ultimately, has this become your calling card, this, the With Love Project? I mean, have you, the people that you're meeting are presumably just the sort of people that want your kind of skill set to work yeah, with. Yeah, so well, I mean, we've, we've, we kind of accidentally set up a business. We, there was no intention there. Um, but we're now, we're now we, we started getting approached by people um, to, to work, to produce yeah, campaigns for them. Yeah. yeah? And so, so that's what we're doing now. And actually, it's, it's slowly becoming, because we've both got our own businesses separately, it's slowly becoming um, more than 50% of our work. So you positioned yourselves kind of inadvertently right in the middle of the world that you're interested in. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's almost like it, the guys over at Ranton Coffee summed it up. He said, um, it's, it's the perfect soft sell. Because you yes. come in and find out about them and yeah. then you go and you go, oh, by the way, did you know? <laughs> but we, there's never, there's, there was never any, there, and there is never any sell. No, I you can know, tell yeah. that. I mean, I can, I can tell that with you. That, and I, was, I, I think this is something that, that really strikes me about you guys, is that you both seem very alive. And, and you know, it, you're genuinely interested in what you're doing and, and, and enthusiastic. Do you think that that is because you're able, as it were, to get away from the normal life to do these projects that involve... I mean, this project is, you know, the With Love book is a great thing, but it, it's actually kind of... It kept you alive, and now when you're going to film the guy at the coffee plant or, or whatever it is, you're actually kind of doing work that you love. Does that make you? Do you think that makes you alive, as it were? Definitely. And, and what's what's quite nice about the With Love project, because we've got our own businesses on the side of it, we can protect it. So anything that comes through, or anything we put through the With Love project, it's almost got to do a tick list. You yes. know, you know, yes. are you passionate about what you do? Are you making things better? You know, do you work in the UK? It doesn't have to be the UK, but you know, there's tick yeah. lists that we can go. And if it doesn't tick any of those, then we can either put it through our other businesses or say, no, it's not for us. Yes. So the, the With Love project for us is, if it doesn't fit into what we want to do, then we don't do it, which is lovely. I think so we're, we're protecting we're, ourselves. We've well, we both, you know, both been working in, in the creative industries for, for, for a long time. And we've both- You're both in your mid thirties, right? 
Uh, yeah, 40 this year. 40, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Chris, just is getting, a, Chris is a bit younger late, than me. Late, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so when we've both worked with, you know, a, a, a huge array of brands and some really big international brands, um, but it is, it's a little soul destroying. Yes. And we're now working with small brands. People really care passionately about what they do. And it's much more rewarding. And do you find now that when you're when you're pitching for a job, that more and more people know who you guys are? So generally now we don't we don't like to pitch in a traditional sense. Well, we don't pitch in a traditional sense because because that kind of devalues, I think, you know what you do. But we haven't we haven't actually as yet gone out looking for any work. Right. Okay. So everything that. All, all, the, all our current clients have come to us. So someone like me might say oh, to, some, you know, to someone who's making venison sausages, I know the guys who'll do your campaign, and, that, and that's, it's working like that, is it? Yeah, I mean, we, we have had every intention of getting our website, um, website redone. In fact, we, we'd given ourselves um, the deadline of February, hadn't we? February slipped this year. a little. Yeah, yeah okay. it slipped. Yeah. <laughs> Still not there. We're another month, maybe. Um, and we'd had the, every intention of, of um, sending out a load of books um, to p prospective yeah. clients. We just we've, we've been too busy. We haven't had time. That, that's so. amazing. But it's really nice because it's <clears throat> because it's because we can protect the, the the project. The sale becomes very clear, so it's creating uh, content-rich campaigns for people. So it's it's looking at things like video. It's looking at stills. It's looking at copy it's looking at story and it's it's looking across all the different social media channels and all the all the different channels that they that people are talking to their their audience in so anything that we do there's just a wealth there's almost like a toolkit of, and of so, content that they can you, and, use. and so as a result you you, you you haven't got people necessarily queuing up but i mean you're it's keeping you yeah. yeah, that's yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the mean, minute and it and it's lovely stuff as well because yes. it's all stuff yeah. that you can get excited about. Because we'll we'll do a job. We we're doing a, a job last week, um, <clears throat> and then we'll come back and we'll be telling people, you know, you know. And I love I love it when and I don't mean it in a boasty way or or an, an, an arsy way, but you know when someone comes back and they're like, "How's your day at work?" Yeah, oh, shit, just sat at the computer, boring. What, well, I mean, what I think this is what I'm going. This is actually what I was. Yeah. I mean, I think this is this is what really interests me is the idea of you know that of being alive. Yeah. I mean, you are alive and you're making a living. Yeah. Mm. And and that that I don't think you realise quite what a, an extraordinary thing that is. I mean, you've been very you know, I think you 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 know you're very modest, but you don't probably realise quite how clever you've been. It may have been inadvertent, <laughs> but I suppose you also have to be you know you have to be really good at what you're doing. It's not you know it doesn't just come, does it? I think there's a look. There's there's definite luck. There's timing. And there's respect for the people that you're 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 working with. And, and I'm not trying to be so emotional. I think also though, you know, and one thing that, that we probably forget is that it it's it's the combination of us because you know, I think we're both very good at what we do separately. Yes. But together I think we, we work we work really well yes. and and people have certainly commented on that. You know, it's almost like the you know it's the two parts are greater than the whole is greater than the sum of the two parts. Yes. And I think we certainly work we work together. I think we're better when we're working together than when we're when we're not. I think also in the creative industries, 
there's a lot of pretentious, wanky rubbish. You know, yes, with generic. people as well. Generic, yeah. but then also also people that you're working with because we we know that if we're working with people then they're trying to make money and they want whatever we're doing to go as smoothly as possible. So we're totally professional when when we're on board. Yes. And but then we also enjoy it. Well you're interesting enough, I mean doing the um the uh, film that we've been doing for the last 24 hours or whatever. I, I, I'm not sure I've worked with people who are um, quite so professional and organised. But because so you, you kind of you're, you're able somehow to get yourself just into our zone here. You just understand it, oh. which is so. When I when I um, introduced you, I think at the Good Life last year, I think I said something along the lines of, and this is from memory that. You know, you had essentially invented this concept of the side project. Yeah, I think that's the best introduction we've ever had. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, that, that's something which, is, which has become fashionable side project. But I, I think this thing of a hobby is really, really important. Mm. I mean, we're all actually working on our hobbies at this moment. I'm doing my, my, um, my, my podcast and you're doing your With Love thing. And, I mean, that, that in itself, I mean, I think we should talk about that a little bit because well, that's I, what, that's, an, obviously your side project became actually your main project, but you then, you know, you, it's still your hobby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, complete. And, you know, as a, as, and I, I know, I mean, I think this is why me and Chris connected when we first met. Um, personally, as a photographer, I've always got a project or two that's completely personal just on the sidelines, um, less so recently because with love's kind of taken yes. that that role. Yeah. But it's been always been really important to me to. It's funny, isn't it? Because hobby, weirdly enough, a bit like craft, became a bit of a dirty word for a time. Mm. Hobby in, in, involved sort of nerdy people sitting in rooms stamp collecting and things. But actually, it, it's it's the life, isn't it? It's mm. it's life. I mean, playing guitar or. You know. I mean, I'm I, you know I I feel very lucky that my. my my hobby growing up was photography. I got into it as a, as a teenager. I was lucky enough to have people support me enough to let to push me into going to university to study it. And that you know now I essentially do my hobby as a job. So how and did you how being a photographer? Um, did did you have any idea what, before you went to university, kind of quite what you were going to photograph or? or no, it, it how just. How you're going to make money? I, no, I mean it, it was a bit of. I went to like I went to um, a public school in Newcastle that was very very academic. Both my parents are scientists. My brother um, studied maths at university and is now a computer programmer. You know, very successful. Um, and I remember, I, you know, school was great. Got through my GCSEs and then, um, but all my mates were outside of school. And um, and then I met. Um, I was working a. a in a bar collecting glasses part-time whilst at school. And I met a girl who was studying uh, photography at Blackpool. And that blew my mind that you could go and study photography. No one had ever mentioned that. Mentioned that. No, no. Um, well, that's so, interesting because I mean, again, you know, you're, you're 40, but I mean, create, the encouragement of creativity in school is a really relatively recent phenomenon. Mm. You're allowed to do art at my school if you arrived at the school as a fully formed portrait painter. Yeah. yeah. But, but beyond that, you know. But art I think that they, they've lost that again in schools. You know that there's less funding in, in the arts. 
that schools have got less funding to be able to afford art equipment because it's seen as an expensive luxury. Which is bizarre given that that's the one thing that we do really well in Britain, the creative things, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or one of the things, yeah. I shouldn't say the one thing. But, um, yeah, so, and, 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 um, and Chris, tell, tell me about your kind of upbringing. Well, my, so. uh, I, my, my dad had always said, like on the, I think it's the back of the first book, my dad had always said, um, whenever you're thinking about <coughs> what you want to do, just do what you love and then you know you'll end up doing something that you enjoy and i remember um not knowing what a levels i wanted to do so i knew i wanted to do summit sporty so i did pe mm. i knew i wanted i liked art so i took art and then and then i liked um what the law teacher was talking about so i did pe law and art a bit random no really and then, <laughs> great collection and then uh I was convinced I was going to go into something sporty and then I was just liking art more and more and then back when you had the choice of university you'd go into the library in the computer room I think it was about four PCs and you'd type in what you enjoyed and then press return and it would come up with a list of courses and the top course was only <laughs> one it was called creative imaging and it did advertising marketing uh, graphic design, illustration, and it combined everything. So I still didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, well, that's a perfect course to do. Mm. So I did that. And then at the end of that, I thought, all right, graphic design, I'll get into that. Did that for a few years. And then didn't know if I still wanted to do something in sports. So I went over to America, coached footy for uh, uh, six months, and then came back and just started working freelance thinking I'll, I'll find a job or I'll find a place somewhere and then just worked freelance for four years and then got sucked into the the full-time role uh, which is where I met Rob on the creative right, creative okay. director role in the branding agency and then just got out of it again and just I just I think I enjoyed really enjoyed working for myself and going back to the side project thing whilst I was working I was all on the freelance side of thing when I was going in to agencies I was asking um, creative directors and designers, you know, what should I be looking at? What should I be reading? And then I started this thing called the Awesome Foursome, which was what one thing would you recommend everybody watch, read, hear and experience? So then I started asking people, influential people in the creative industries, you know, those for the Awesome Foursome. And then you start getting loads of things to read, loads of things to listen to, loads of things to watch. So you get loads of good inspiration there. It's like having a really interesting older brother or sister. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then off the back of that, myself and a, another designer um, set up some talks called Note to Self where we got these people to come and speak. TED Talk sort of style, 20 minutes on a topic. So um, when was this? How long ago was this? This was... It was, oh, this was years, so like maybe 2008, 2009. So as well as a side project, you invented another genre, which is the kind of, the lecture, <laughs> the, you know, the kind of contemporary lecture. <laughs> Essentially invented TED Talk. Yeah, well, that, yeah. I mean, that concept is so popular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, um, that, that started from a text, because me and this uh, chap, Dave, Dave Moore, hit, he texted James uh, Somerville, who was creative director of Attic, who were massive influence right. back when we were at uni. Um, and they actually set up in Huddersfield where we went to uni. And he'd text saying, oh, we're putting on this talk. Do you fancy doing a talk um, in Huddersfield? And then James got back in touch and said, yeah, I would love to. And then we were like, shit, 
we need to set up a talk now. <laughs> and, and, okay. So then, then we set up the talk. So, where, so that, that's an interesting point. So I think there's one of the things that, one of the skills that, you know, I, I, is necessary to my, my jobs is, is sort of thinking of things from the beginning and putting on, God, the smoke is really getting in my eyes, <laughs> putting on productions. And I, and I learned that when I was at university, I directed plays um, seven out of my nine terms. And I think that it wasn't really directing. I mean, it was kind of making sure the posters were done. We had a venue, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and you know, that people came and we figured out how to sell tickets and get actors on time to rehearsals. But where, that, that skill is really important for what you're doing. I mean, you drove here to Scotland yesterday and you were bang on time. Where did you learn that kind of um, organisational skill? Because I think that's an underrated skill in the creative. There's a nice saying that's, that goes over, over prepare and then go with the flow. And I like, I like that as a, because you, you know that you're going into a job with everything that you can possibly do set up to yes. go and to let that. So then if something does go wrong, then you can react. But if you go in blind. But who taught you that? Did you, was it just there from family? I mean, I, I guess you don't have, you know, I don't think anyone taught me, so I guess, you know. I think, yeah, I think we're both just quite organized people, juggling actors, isn't it? And I think, to be able to juggle, you need to be organised, don't mm. you? But there's a definite, there's that, that's a really good point, that when you work for yourself, it's all on you, isn't yes. it? So you could, you could rock up to a job if you're employed, and maybe being employed gives you a safety zone or a comfort that you can maybe take your foot off the gas. Well, you can go on holiday for a start. Yeah, and not look <laughs> at your email, can't yeah, you? yeah true. <laughs> but when you work for yourself, you've always got to be on it. Because if anything goes wrong, it's on you. Yes. If something goes right, it's on you, which is brilliant. Which yes. is, and, and that's another thing that both of us are never happy with what we do. We're always striving to, there's always something we could have done better. Or, you know, yeah. even if it looks great and people think it's brilliant, there's always something that we spot or there's something that but we want to do. But I think if you, if you ever hit that point where you're completely happy with what you've done, then that's, that's the end, isn't it? And so that's it. Thank you very much to Chris and to Rob not only for driving hundreds of miles to Glendie to make a film, but also for giving me their time around the campfire and chatting about the With Love Project. Thank you so much to my friend, Jim Friend. And as I said earlier in this, please do give them your support. You can get actually both the books for 60 quid on their website, which is a fantastic investment, really good value. If you think of the love and the miles and the dedication that's gone into those books, that is a total bargain. Anyway, I hope all is well in the world wherever you are. It's good here. The only bad thing being that a bumblebee has got stuck in my office. Why does that happen? They all seem to be doing that at the moment. But it's a beautiful day and I hope it is where you are and I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.